Welcome to the podcast, the destination for insightful discussions and interviews on the appreciation, conservation, and husbandry of reptiles with a focus on turtles and tortoises. Now, let's join our team of turtle nerds. All right. Are we there? Howdy. Are we there? We're there. Right. The, the rolling was a little bit choppy for me. I'm not going to lie. I got a little nervous. Oh, yeah, me too. I got a little nervous. Woo. And then I, was, I, got I thought it was just me. I got excited because, like, I've seen it uh, so many times, but I'm like, wait a minute. I feel like Kevin Pollack was there when we took a lot of the photos that were used in the Roland, but I actually think yeah. that you, I actually think that he took the photo, like the last one. Where we're I think in. I was there with that stack of boxes. Yes, you were That's there that, that day. That, that never, stack. That endless Remember stack of boxes. Remember the stack of boxes. <laughs> Hello, Pedrick Stevenson. This is exciting. I love, I love this. I, I was saying before we went live, this is the first time that that I can remember ever in the next month, by the way, will be nine years for the podcast. As far wow. as I know, it's the second longest running reptile podcast around. Wow. And congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank that, you very that, much. That's a big thank deal. You. Thank you very much. Kevin does not know the podcast rule that you're not supposed to talk until you've been introduced, but we're going to do we're gonna, this, It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Since, I'll just introduce myself. Since Minto isn't here, I have to make fun of someone named Kevin from Connecticut. Uh, yeah, so you're in a bad spot, Kevin. That's why he's yeah. not here, because it got too confusing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Say night, Kevin. Okay. Home Alone reference. So Good night, no Kevin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you little jerk. <laughs> don't, don't start with the movie reference. Right off. Right, right off. Okay. Right off track. So really excited. I was saying this is the first time in the almost nine year history of the of the podcast that I yes, NPR is the one that's been a little longer. Exactly. Uh, that I have not been prepared with at least some sort of scribbly notepad where I had some ideas for a show. And the reason is because today's guest, tonight's guest is somebody who for me needs no introduction because he's one of my best friends, somebody who I talk to all of the time uh, and somebody who we know really well, but something else I get really excited about is when we could bring someone to our viewers who they don't necessarily know. And Kevin, you're not somebody who's kind of out there and that sort of thing. So I think of like yeah. Ken Sofer and Ralph Till. When, when we first had Ralph on the podcast, people didn't generally know who he was and he's somebody who a lot of people know. And it's, it's something for me that's really exciting to be able to share my friends with people. If that makes any sense. Is that weird? So we have Chris with us obviously. And then you see also Steve Enders, uh, the president of, of the turtle room and our guest, Kevin Pollack, who is just the, greatest i just love you kevin <laughs> it makes me so happy to see your face here look dennis quinn is, is tuning in i love it yes. oh wow Conne connecticut love i love it i love it <laughs> excellent kevin kevin is a really cool one because you know we obviously talk i love this kind of towing the the line and kind of that gray air between like your your institutional your your biology your your in-situ work but then also the ex-situ work and kind of how we have kind of a place in each side steve obviously does field work with the turtle room and tsa and then also runs the turtle room which has a captive piece to it chris is a, a herpetologist with um herpetology what is it called you guys are from new jersey so you know what it is okay i'm from connecticut give me a break and then kevin who's from new jersey and in in connecticut as well you have tons of experience in the field but then also have that kind of keeper component as well so we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about just about yeah everything Appreciate i feel like this could be this could be like a five-hour episode at yes yeah. easily right 
Like this is not a drive to White Plains episode. This is a drive to Hamburg episode. Like like what the conversation would be in the four hour car ride. (laughs) (laughs) Right? It could be. Yeah. 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 Twenty seven hour podcast that you listen to on your drive out to TTPG in Arizona. Exactly. Exactly. So, So Kevin, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been a long time, right? We started talking about this a couple of years ago. You you brought it up to me. And uh here I am, finally. Finally hooked finally you. Happening. Yeah, finally, finally hooked me. It actually <laughs> took Dana, my wife, convinced me. <laughs> I really? mentioned it to her. I mentioned it to her and she's like, That's so exciting. You should go on. She's like, What are you doing? Of course. <laughs> of course. There's other nerds like you. Go and run, go run and frolic with <laughs> yeah. the other nerds. It'll be terrific. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Michael Skipstead in the house. What up? I love this. I love this. Chris Drake. This is terrific. I love this. Follow us on Facebook, guys. Instagram. Steve, it's cool that you did that. I like the new <laughs> interface. It's really cool. What's Twitch? Don't worry about it. You're old. Oh, uh, twi- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I well, I'm old and technologically impaired. So I don't ask like, don't ask questions. Yeah. All right. Just excited that we made this work. That's we all. Just all right. be grateful. Just be grateful that we're here. So I'll keep my uh, mouth shut until I'm spoken to. So let's start with some. I feel like we should do some rapid fire questions, right? Okay. Just throw some throw stuff yeah, at, why at not? Kevin just because mm-hmm. these are the best picks. shows when we get to just geek out with people who are literally just like fans of reptiles. Like that's that's when these end up being the best. So, um, favorite species of turtle that you can't keep? Spotted turtle. Oh, I knew that. I could have answered that for him. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, 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 why that's a no-brainer. It's my that's favorite turtle species. I think that's the answer of half the people in Pennsylvania as well. Yeah, yeah. but but go ahead. C- continue, Kev. Yeah, I, I mean, they're my favorite species of turtle, period, whether it's keeping or finding in the wild or whatever. I, I kept them for a very short period of time when I was a kid living in New Jersey when I was allowed. But, yeah, here in Connecticut, obviously, um, you, you know, we're not allowed to. So, yeah, uh, since 2015, actually. I have, but they're the I perfect turtle. They're turtles. small and they're all beautiful. Yeah. And, right. and that's they're cool the tolerant. Thing. Wow, that's a new law. Wow. Yeah, it was. We could keep them. I bred. They're the first species that I bred. But I okay. believe it was like July. Tw- it was. It was the summer, June or July, 2015, that the law went into place that they weren't going to be allowed in Connecticut anymore. Which yeah, was if fine. I, if I was allowed to keep them, I'd probably dedicate my entire yard and just make a big like wetland mosaic right. and have like a thousand spotted turtles. Yeah. Was that a? Was that a? you know, okay, that's it. Doesn't matter who has them or how you got them. It's over. Or was it, you know, you had to go through permitting process to be bothered in. There's, there's really no permits and there's historically, there's no permits in Connecticut. So that was the, it's just like, all right, well, Mm. you know, am I ever going to get in trouble for these? I could prove by like showing a million different posts I made on turtle forum that I had spotted turtles for a long time. Yes, but like I don't even want to put myself in that. Yeah, place. you don't and then want with to, that. It was you like, don't want to put what? a target on your back. I'm not even yeah. natives anymore. I mean, I, I'm certainly in that boat because you know I, I still work professionally with you know North American species. So for me to keep anything native, I just don't want to do it. And even if it was legal, like landing mm-hmm. turtles, I'm not I'm not going to keep landing turtles because I've right. worked with them and I don't want to. You know, you said I'm one of those people that kind of are on both sides, and there's a lot of people that are not on both sides of mm-hmm. keeping and doing you know conservation work or whatever you want to call it and so there's some stigma sometimes that goes with that and so i i just don't even want to you know be put in that category of like oh why does he have planting turtles you know i live in that category every single day in my life yeah right I, right that's <laughs> yeah. you know so i try to steer clear of at least the the big 
you know, the big ones, spotted turtles, landing turtles, you know, wood turtles. Things right. Like that. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. And blandings are a good example too. Like you still do field work in areas where there are like in States where there are blandings. Yeah. Um, I did. Um, I did a, a right. little bit of work this year, some um, in the past and uh, hopefully I'll get to work with some more, but yeah, they're, they're a great species to, to look for. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, you know, if, if people found out I was keeping them and then I'm out there, you know, being paid to do whatever yeah. with them, it can be a little. Rusty. I thought blandings were not a problem in Connecticut. They're not. They're not native. No, to they're not. They're not native. Oh, to Connecticut. all right. I got I got confused there. But he does work in other but, states. But they right, are right, right over the border right, in New York okay. where I do right. do some stuff with them right. or have done. Can't say I don't have anything current with them, but right. yeah. And I think there's also a difference too. And it's, I'm like nothing against Connecticut at all, but there's just, there's less like communication, collaboration and stuff like that with the state. I think like the, in New Jersey, it's a little bit different where Chris has a relationship. You've had your Blandings turtles forever and people know that and people at the state know that and they've been to your place and you have personal relationships with them and that sort of thing. So like mm -hmm. they know that you're not going out and taking Blandings turtles, like it works and New Jersey has a permitting process and all the rest of it. So it's really just, you know, for the viewers out there who are kind of wondering how this works, you know, this comes from years of, of, uh, politicking for lack of a better term uh networking getting out there talking to people kind of figuring out how all of this works uh I had someone just today asking me about um, north carolina law if you're if you're tuning in hello uh but you know like obviously i don't know a ton about north carolina law i could read the law and say this is how i think it would work but i don't know how that would work in a you know, in a, in a court, I don't know how people from your actual time, I'm sorry, from your actual state would actually enforce those laws and what, what those laws actually mean in reality, because I'm not out there and, and living there every day. I don't know how that all works, but I just I think every, people, sta every state is like that, right? Like it, yeah. it, the law is one thing, but then what's actually enforced can be another, especially with wildlife laws. So, you know, it's different with, you know, but that, you know, New Jersey doesn't mess yeah. around in, in a sense that, again, you know, I, I think a lot of wildlife agencies can learn from them because of the way they do things, um, because I, I find them to be very fair. But they um, they they're both. Um, what's the word? I'm, I don't want to say that they're lenient. OK, because you can't again, you can't go take an animal out of the wild and they are going to check your paper trail. You know what I mean? If, if let's say, you know, say you have a wood turtle, you know, they're going to most likely they're going to call and look into the, the trail that you say that you say the turtle came from. Um, but by the same token, again, they're, they're pretty supportive of the private sector. Uh, you know what I mean? Plus they also know that they need a place for some of these turtles to go. So they don't, I guess, purposely burn bridges, you know, but it seems like they have people who are actually looking at this stuff. Like there's a difference oh, between yeah. captive bred and taken from the wild. They know that, <laughs> but they have people to actually look at it. I think they in will. Other states, there's yeah. almost every uh, almost every year, um, you know, whoever's in the permitting department right now, it's a woman in Kate. She uh, th they'll send a, you know, hey, uh, we, you know, we have a question about this, blah, blah, blah. And you look at it and you're like, what? You know, I like, remember the one year I was like, what are they even? It was it was a, a mud turtle. It was a mud turtle, you know, that they were like, where's this one from? It, it was there was like one extra whatever hatchling or female on the the um uh, my submission list for that particular year and of all that stuff that was on there you know wood turtles spotted turtles box turtles all that stuff critically endangered like esa listed stuff 
they were they wanted to know about this one extra mud turtle. So that that mm. that shows you right there. They look right. They're, really they're involved. Yeah, yeah, we don't right. have that, oh. and there are other states that don't have that. And I think that's the issue is is that's what you need to get a, a grip mm -hmm. on in your own state is like, uh, is it kind of that approach of like, you know, hands off, don't even mess with it because it's just going to be assumed wild caught if you have something that's native or are they actually working with you giving permits the way that they do in Maryland and New Jersey mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But, that's that's, that's great because you, you want ahead. them to be looking at that um, because you don't, because then when you're doing the right thing, it looks mm -hmm. good for everybody, right? Because there's plenty yeah. of people that do the right thing. And yeah. you, by them looking at that, you know that they're maybe going to catch the people not doing it correctly. Yes. And, and yeah. so there, there's a distinction. And, yes. and too many people don't see that there's a distinction with people that, you know, do things the right way and do things the wrong way. Right. 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 There's an educational value and a collaboration value there that's being that's being met by by this work that people are doing it's, mm -hmm. uh, totally but i don't want to harp on this captive side just because of who i am uh kev let, like, like let's talk things. i know i know and we'll get into that <laughs> too but we'll go we'll come back to it but i don't want to just stay, stay there and and stay with it like i'm i'm seeing people here who really care about the the field stuff as well like like dennis and and michael and hey andrew hey kevin thanks for thanks for joining us uh so uh, Kev, tell us about working in the field. I, like, I, I just want to preface this by saying, like, when I bought my house, I, I made Kevin come over and look at the the foliage, the the flora around my house to let me know, like, what I needed to be worried about. Like, you know, I put my pond under these grapevines that naturally grow in my trees because of like Kevin coming over and talking to me about stuff. My aloof <laughs> self never would have had that thought. And it's like such a smart thing to do. And so he came over and like, you know, this is toxic. This is not, that's invasive. That's not like, I have no idea what any of that is. So you're such a gifted naturalist, particularly from my, uh, you know, according to, to my brain. So like, talk to us a little bit about, your time in the field, like what that means to you. What do you enjoy about it? And I can just tell you, I've been out with you before and like just, just seeing you in action, like you're, you're fit. I, like I can't even keep up with you. This is, <laughs> like you, you field guys are just a different breed altogether. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've kind of, I've just always been a field guy. Like that, that's, that's, that is truly what I like most, you know, about all reptiles is, is seeing them in the field. Um, I, for a long time, I actually didn't even have, I didn't keep much, you know, I always, I've always had a, something, but there was a long time where I didn't really keep anything. And, um, cause I was doing a lot of, a ton of field work. And then when I got away from that, I started keeping stuff more again. And so, it, you know, it's, it's trying to find the balance, but yeah, I, I've just loved being outdoors. I, I don't know. It just draws, it just draws me. Like I can never live in a city. There's not enough trees. You know, I just like, I just like being in nature. There, there's nothing better than, going outside and like not hearing any human noise and just being immersed with, uh, you know, any kind of wildlife or, or plants or anything. It's just calming, I guess is, is what it is to me. Um, so yeah, I love being in the field. I, you know, I guess I'll just give you a rundown of the species that I've worked with. So if you want to ask any questions about them, um, can I, can I interject just yeah, sure. for the, for the viewers, listeners, well, I guess at this point it's viewers, Listeners, you'll hear this archive later, but for, for the live viewers right now, if you have any questions, please feel free to, to throw them up there. We probably won't get to all of them, but if you if you throw something up there of particular interest, we might grab it to to ask to ask Kevin. So please, Kev, go ahead. Okay. So um 
I've, I've, mainly here in the Northeast is uh, Blanding's turtles, bog turtles, wood turtles, um, very little bit of telemetry with uh, Eastern box turtles and some survey work. And then um, I spent a few months down in Florida surveying for gopher tortoises, uh, which was really neat because we used a, a camera to um, scope the burrows and, you know, see if they were occupied or not. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so those are the species that I'm most familiar with. You know, I've never done anything um, with spotted turtles from a from a uh, professional standpoint, but they, you know, they're just my favorite to find. E even with all those other species mentioned, I, spotted turtles are still the best. <laughs> they're just terrific, right? There's a reason why they're such like a rock star species of the turtle world. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, they're they're perfect. They're they're stay small, you know. They're always beautiful. There's no yep. ugly spotted turtle out there. That's true. I mean, you know, there's a beat up gnarly ones or whatever, but they're still beautiful. They but those tell a story, you know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. You said bog turtles, which makes every turtle person's nipples hard. Can you speak more? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it, it's it's so true. You know you know what it is. It's because they're like a people um, freak out. They do because there's a, there's a lot of like you know aura around them and it's it's because they live in such small habitats and it's, they're kind of hard to they're hard to find but the habitat is even harder to find because at least here in the northeast you know so i'm um familiar with them in new jersey and new york but a lot of the places where they are, are private lands so you can't it's not like you can even you don't have a chance to try to find them because you'd have to get owner's permission or, or you know or trespass i suppose but to, to to even find that habitat where they are, so that's why I think they're there's you know the like mystery around them. Um, but yeah, I mean they're a great they're a great little turtle. I know plenty of people that work with them that that's their favorite turtle to look for, and they are a lot of fun to look for. I like them because you know they live in these kind of pockets, and so when you when you get into the habitat and you know there's a population there, it's like all right, they're here now. You have to find them, as opposed to some other species where you could be walking for miles and you don't know they could be literally anywhere so right. it's kind of like looking in a in a defined area and so it's it's kind of challenging and rewarding because it, you know that they're there so you know you can find them i think kevin just froze he did are you still there kev can you hear us i am something came up i didn't see it quick enough though so oh we can hear him so that's good oh, oh there you go back? yeah no. Good. That worked. <clears throat> I haven't moved. Why? Is Chris yeah, your your signal your signal got a little poor, which is what yeah. I noticed. So oh, get it together. Come on. <laughs> we've been we've been planning for this for two years. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm surprised that uh, Chris has had nothing to say up there so far. It's, me? Yeah. Normally we can't keep him quiet. Well, I'm, I'm Are you intimidated you. by Kevin? I'm, I'm just waiting for you to get through all the turtle stuff. So keep going. Oh, you want to get to the snake stuff? <laughs> or are we well, no, we gotta pay. we gotta do turtle stuff here. We do. We no, do. we can talk I snakes. Can't, I can't talk to Kevin yet about bog turtles because I don't get to really do my bog turtle work until this spring. So I was gonna oh, say, did well. you ever go out? You told me you were gonna go out that one time. Did you ever go? So we did. <laughs> so we did. Um, we had to do. We had to do a, a survey up, um, and uh, it was a potential spot, and it was oh, one of those wow. things where, you know. Oh. We, when we got there, you know, Bob, Bob said right away, he was like, I don't think they're here. And I was like, can I say something? And he was like, sure, sure. I was like, I know I've never done this before, but they're not here. You know what I mean? Because you, I've immersed myself in reading about them and, and everything for since I was, a, you know, a little kid. And so it was just one of those things where it was like, 
something wrong here, you know. Well, I will and, I will tell you before I saw my first one, uh, um, you know, I read all the same, probably all the same books that you you did. Yeah. And I was mistaken by their descriptions of habitat. Okay. In the books. Like okay. um, I always kind of pictured you know, because they, they, they talk, every book tells you they're, you know, they're basking on tussocks, right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking they're on tussocks like a spotted turtle, you know, standing mm -hmm. water. Then that's not accurate. Yeah. So um, until you until you see some of the some of the habitat, well, it, you know, it changes a little bit throughout the range. But right. Um, right. I, I'm like I said, I was wrong and I was surprised as to mm -hmm. where I started finding them the first time. Well, I mean, you know, again, I, I have literally, you know, I again, you know got to be careful what we, how we describe things here, obviously, you know, but yeah. as far as like, you know, plant indicators and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. those were there, you know? Um, and the one, the one time that we did go with um, uh, a couple people to um, one of NJ Fish and Wildlife spot with per, spots with permission. Um, that was the only other time that I had been to, a, to a real, you know, a known spot where there is a monitored population there. Um, and it was just, it was the end of summer. It was too overgrown. All we, all we ended up coming up with was cell of male. That wasn't, a, that wasn't monitored animal. So we had to take that back for the state. But when we got to this spot with HA, you know, I, I noticed like right away, I was like, this is vastly different. Again, plant yeah. were there, but it was vastly different. And sure enough, search, 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 search. They did it for four more days after that. I had to, I had to get assigned to a different job after that, but um, nothing turned up except uh, a handful of spotted turtles, which were interestingly all juveniles um, and a couple snapping turtles, but that was it. Well, Dennis, I, so I will say, I will say uh, bog turtle habitat is good nursery for, for baby turtles. You see all, every, every species that's around, you'll find. There you juveniles. go. Okay. Okay. Dennis reminded you to be very careful with that. that there are some sites where you expect them to be that, Mm. they are so just gotcha grown folks are talking. yeah you know on the other end um i have a friend who's a turtle guy but uh he's an architect for his day job and so you know in the construction world particularly in parts of pennsylvania new jersey where there are there might be populations mm -hmm. like anytime the habitat even has an inkling of of the smallest potential the site's getting flagged for a level 1 survey to check mm -hmm. to, to even check out the habitat so um like a lot of those level one surveys, it's just like, no, this really isn't the right habitat and they're kind of done, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, more of those happen in bog turtle ranges than people probably know of as well. Sure, yeah. Yeah. But but like so for him it's really funny because like you know the as an he architect probably hates bog turtles, right? Uh, well, so he <laughs> does he actually he doesn't because like he knows they're they're only going to be so many places. But what's really funny is he gets has so many projects where the, the, the contractor's like, well, we got to get the bog turtle survey. And he's like, I can tell you they won't be here, but we've got to get the survey anyway, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it's just kind of one of those things. Anytime you end up in one of those kind of marshier, you know, property areas, you almost, <laughs> somebody goes up, oh, there might be bog turtles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a little more uh, involved right. than that, but but yeah, right. A site gets flagged, and then somebody's got to go out and, and check. You know, they yeah. do a phase one, see if it's we had a, habitat. We had a pretty big team with us because it was it was us and another yeah. environmental consultant company, and 
you know, it, it was a it was a pretty vast search. And uh, like I said, it went on for several days, but it was just one of those things where and, you know, I'm new to that. So I'm sure, you know, all these guys, yourself included, uh, get this feeling more often than not where it was it, and it, and it kind of overcame me. It was just kind of like they're not here. You know what I mean? One of those things, you know, and they weren't, you know, but. But so, you know, as, as a consultant, you got to always go in assuming that they are, because otherwise, oh, yeah. if you if you have it in your head that they're not there, then you're mm -hmm. not going to look as hard. No, you know? I believe me, I looked hard because I, I passed out almost like three times. <laughs> but but uh, what's what's what is interesting to go back to this about, um, you know, what Dennis was saying on the chat and what you were saying uh, about being wrong the first time you saw one about the habitat. Um, again, without giving up any information whatsoever. Yeah, be careful. Um, yeah, no, no one got to tell me. I, we were just talking uh, over the summer, one of the gatherings that we had here where we had everybody over from HA, um, uh, we were talking about bog turtles and wood turtles in a particular spot that we were blown away that they're in, you know? And, you know, um, you know this, this, this information is for more of a private conversation between us, but... Um, it ended up being in basically in somebody's backyard. And it was like, you got it. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's monitored. It, it it's there. They're it both there. You know? Yeah. It's crazy. It's and, really um, crazy. But you, you, the other thing to think about is, you know, with any turtle species, right? They're so long lived. Mm -hmm. So 30 years ago, when those turtles were adults or even juveniles or whatever, mm -hmm. that habitat could have been looked very different and they just haven't left yet, you know, yeah. be, because they're just so fidelic. And they don't want to leave. You know, that's right. where they grew up. That's where they live. But to us, maybe it doesn't look appropriate anymore. Right. But they might still be there. Well, then, and you, you know, you get you get these um, discoveries by people, which over the years, you know, and this isn't professional work. This is just people coming to us like, hey, I found a wood turtle in blah, 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 blah. And we're all used to like, yeah, sure. Okay. It's probably a juvenile snapping turtle. Or, you know, <laughs> right. And then they're like, no, no, it's a wood turtle. And they and like this one time in particular moons ago uh this guy that i knew up in north jersey he said he found a wood turtle in this area that was like absolutely not no way you know and he was like no i did and he brought it over and, and the animal luckily did get released i had to push him to do it but he brought over this i mean this animal was so old okay it, you actually you really did need to know wood turtles to identify it as a wood turtle Okay. Yeah. It was this animal didn't even really look that much like a wood turtle anymore. It was so smoothed out, so weathered, so discolored at this point, you know, mm. but it may, it may, like you're saying, like, they're just hanging on. There. Yeah, they're fidelic. They're hanging on there. There are still some there, maybe. And this particular animal was perhaps the last, you know, of her, of her population there, you know, or maybe maybe there's a couple more. Who knows? They could still be doing well there. I don't know. But yeah, it, yeah no, but right. It, that's 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 my point is that. There's plenty of sites where there's just you have a couple old individuals just kind of hanging on because they just haven't, you know, the, the site isn't productive anymore, but they just stick around. Right. Mm -hmm. um, Andy asked a good question. He says that he would love to hear the, the other species that you found in gopher tortoise burrows. Oh, so that would get was... you guys into your snake conversation, but take it easy. <laughs> um, Advance. And so I guess the there's two really cool ones. So, um, well, first, this was kind of like central South Florida. So it's not northern Florida where things are more dependent on the boroughs, where like North Florida and Georgia. Um, I did not get any indigos, if, that, if that's what uh, we're, where we're going with that. 
but um i did get a florida pine snake which was awesome nice and um i got a couple coach whips and maybe the coolest were gopher frogs which uh, i was i was pretty excited about so i skip into the amphibians for a second um i actually so so we would have a um you know like i said a, a camera scope and we were looking in the screen while we're moving the camera around in the, in the burrow and um so i came upon this one tortoise and there was actually a gopher frog sitting on top of the tortoise oh which wow. was, uh, I, I took a picture of the screen you know it's all like black and, white and terrible yeah. but it, yeah it's pretty neat so th- awesome. those are probably the um the three most exciting ones for me pine snake gopher frog and uh and coach whips I'd like uh, no no up. no diamondbacks in the burrows this was also um I was there from May, June, July, so it was pretty hot. I, I, I went down there expecting to see a lot more, to be honest. Um, but you know, it, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. It's still yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'd um, I'd like to put ten seconds on the clock for all four of us, and answer what's the one species of animal in uh, of any animal doesn't have to be a turtle that you would most like to encounter in the wild. Any oh animal in the world. Oh, that's hard. Anyone have one yet? I mean, uh, off the top, I'm sure it would change if you asked me 10 minutes from now. But I'm going to say red panda. Oh, my gosh. Never saw that coming. Yeah, okay, how about, for, awesome. how, about for, how about for a turtle? What's the turtle um, that you need to see? I mean, I, I definitely, you know, just just for my own research purposes, you know, I I, I got to see a hermit's tortoise in the wild. I know? knew it. You I have trick to. pony. You, you wouldn't pick Spengler. <laughs> Boring. Uh, I oh, would actually. Really? What did you, you say? Want to go back to Italy? What what you what you say? Aunt? She, she, Casey calls oh, she was boring. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I said that. Well, you both said it at the same time. Great minds think uh. alike. Anthony, yeah, what's yours? You, what's you your guys turtle? can go to Japan. I'm gonna go to Italy. Spangler. They, they have better. Food. Is it? Yeah, it's, I I have to. It's the same thing. The same thing for Chris. There are other oh, ones that I would you, want you know to. You know what? You know what I think I, it would I be. Expanza. Uh, mm. uh, Podognemus expanza. That's right. We talked about that before. Yeah, this I, is I, what I, nerds we are, right? That we're just having conversations. But, but it needs to be like a lot of random South America. You know, like I have that vision of like a, the ball basking on the bank. Honestly, I would love to, as cliche as this is, I would love to just do a good old-fashioned African safari, you know? But, but... You, t- I, you I, should. I would like to juice it up a little bit and say, okay, great, we got to see all the megafauna. Can you stop driving now so we can walk around and look for all the different tortoises here, you know? <laughs> that was a good segue. We all didn't do our 10-second answers. We didn't get one from Steve. Steve, do you have an answer first? Because I'm going to take that as a segue. Okay, Steve's muted still. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's okay you can you can be muted we won't he gave you the silent treatment that's i know he did I deserved it. so uh good segue uh kevin has actually spent some time in africa as well can you tell us about your time in africa like yeah so i went to south africa purely for fun um there we go some pictures oh there we go let me move my get that out of the way so yeah that's um Pelusios, uh whatever um Pelusios something or other something it does, doesn't matter whatever you'll tell us later <laughs> yeah I think Sinuatus maybe. So I was in, that's in Kruger National Park in South Africa. So my trip was to South Africa, the country. And um, so we saw a couple of those, uh, one in hand crossing the road, that one in hand that was kind of in the mud and then a bunch of heads in another muddy pool. Um, I did see Pella Medusa. I don't have any pictures of those. Um, but then tortoise wise, there you go. That was my first uh, Kersina. Wow. Um, Kersina, how do you say it? 
Uh, Steve, Steve's the best at that. I thought it was Christina, but who knows? I don't know. Either way, angular tortoise. Yeah. Um, that was the first one. That was pretty exciting. We saw a lot of those. So mm -hmm. if ever you want to go to South Africa, I mean, they're easy to see. I, I saw, I don't know, 10, 20 of them in a few days, M maybe more. I, I don't know. It was, there was a lot. There were, there was one spot. I think I had three in my camera frame. Like it wow. was, it was just awesome. So we saw those. I saw one parrot beak, um, homopus uh, areolatus, and cool. leopard tortoises were amazing. Totally, yeah. totally fantastic. Massive ones. Massive, like, wow. like you know, heavy, like using two hands, you know, full on, yeah, yeah, yeah. grabbing them. That um, they were so cool. Uh, saw a lot of leopard tortoises too. Um, so I, we tried so hard for a tent tortoise. I forget mm -hmm. which subspecies we're in the range of, but so, so hard. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm used to looking for bog turtles and the, the friends I was with also. So we like, we, we were in it, you know, we were in the zone Yeah, yeah. and for hours in a spot that I know that they were, um, we had gone with, uh, so at that part of the trip, we were with somebody named Tony Phelps. He's well known in the snake world. He's a snake researcher, recently passed actually. Uh -huh. Um, unfortunately he was amazing guy. Uh, Unbelievable. He had more stories. You know, you know, the um, the most interesting man, you know, remember the yeah, yeah. commercials? Yep. He's that guy. He was that guy. Mm -hmm. Like just more stories than anybody. Anyway, so he brought us to a spot that had 10 tortoises and we spent hours there. Um, unfortunately, no 10 tortoises, but we did come up. I don't know if, if Steve could pull up that uh, that yellow uh, cursina that we found. That's insane. Oh, yeah. Most beautiful tortoise I've ever seen. So that was, yeah, I mean, that was just, you know, the bonus prize. So when you brought that tortoise back in your pants, did <laughs> were you concerned? <laughs> was that before or after 9-11? I, I needed you there, man. ramped up. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that, I, I can't even imagine what people would do for that tortoise. To, in the, I, in well, the it's funny, the, the value on them is better where so it high. is. Even though, right, it's yeah, already totally. valuable tortoise, and then look at that thing. It's bright yellow. I didn't even know that they came yeah. in that color. You know, it was <laughs> until we found that one. That it was insane. Yeah, Chris, what did you say? It's better where it is. It's better where it is. Exactly. Yeah. People need to hear that for sure. We oh, geek out about yeah. it. We joke, but obviously, yeah. absolutely. Like I said, I'm a field guy. I love seeing stuff in the wild more than anything else. Like that's yeah. you know that's what I live for really. Um, that's kind of what I discovered about myself with, with, and it, it started with the whole habitat building thing. You know, I was like, why am I, you know, overextending myself to this point with, with, you know what I mean? With, with habitats and, and, and after, you know, now working in the field so much, it's, it's, it's clear. It's, it's just where I love to see them. You know? Can I ask you guys a question? So like, so Chris, you've kept them and bred them and had success <laughs> with them, but you say that one needs to stay in the wild. Like mm -hmm. it reminds me of the documentary, that Leonardo DiCaprio did where he's talking to like leader political leader in India. And he's talking about the importance of like climate. I never saw that. It, it was awesome. He's talking the, yeah. the importance of like pollution and climate, you know, change and, mm -hmm. and everything that we need to be doing and blah, blah, blah. And, and the guy looks at him and he's just like, are you crazy? Like you guys had your industrial revolution and, and you polluted the world forever. And now that you have, you want to tell everyone else to like pump the brakes, but like, we're just getting to where you are. Like mm -hmm. now it's our turn to pollute the world and, right. and build, build something out of it. Right. Like, how, how can you tell us what so, to do? So like, 
you know, guys who keep these animals, like Chris, you bred them and to say like, well, that should stay in the wild. Like, well, I'm talking more, I'm, uh, you know, you guys all know that I'm I'm an advocate for, you know, doing right by these animals, but in and out, you know what I mean? There's no such thing as, and, and I've said that boldly in posts and videos and everything. There's no such thing as one side to this anymore. It doesn't exist. You're not going to save these animals by leaving them alone completely. You're not going to save these animals by uh, only keeping them in captivity, you know? And, you know, people will, will say things all the time, whether it's on my stuff or somebody else's, where they'll say things like, um, uh, oh, shut up, you know, uh, they're just going to get killed out there. You know, somebody should just take them now before that gets wiped out, you know? Uh, and vice versa, you know, you've got the, the different sides attacking each other. And what it comes down to is, is it doesn't matter how much land you can buy or how much money you have to buy that land and so-called protect that land and do this, that, and the other thing. You have to have people working on the ground on both sides of it. My point is that turtle, that tortoise is is going to be seen as, okay, how can we turn that into the next pet for invisible banana bubble gum shuji boo? <laughs> That's why. Like that, that, you know, like, again, like, I, I love Cursina. You know, I absolutely love that species. I don't work with them anymore, but I absolutely love them. But I love them the way that classically look. You know, do can I deny that that is an absolutely stunning animal? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. I can't. I'm, what I'm saying is I can't deny that, you know. But, you know, when and, and I'm not going to go off on the morph thing because I have too many amazing friends that are into morphs. So <laughs> They're not on this podcast right now, though. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Some of them could be listening. I don't know what everybody's opinions here is, and they're all entitled to it. Some people love morphs, and you know what? Good for them because morphs have absolutely no involvement in in conservation. They're not going to help, you know. So it's kind of like go ahead, have go nuts with it, if if you will, you know. Well, the argument with some of that is like if if albino red ear sliders didn't exist, and Clive and and Jared didn't throw millions of them at keepers that maybe they'd be looking for something else. That's rare. I love it when mm. people say red eared slider morphs are rare, rare <laughs> albino, you know, rare caramel. It hurts my um, head so bad. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Because you know, every nine out of every 10 posts on fauna and morph market mm-hmm. are albi- rare albinos. Obviously we, we know what's happening to them right now, but yeah. And you know, like it, it's the whole, it's the whole ball Python thing. And again, like, you know, you look at some of these snakes that have been fully, you know, created by man. And yeah, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, man, l- l- look at that thing. That is absolutely stunning. It's unbelievable, you know, but that's as far as it goes. You know what I mean? For me, at least we, 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 we uh, took on a ball Python this, this past uh, summer at HA, you know, Bob took it on, just he keeps it in our lab. And, you know, we got the call that these people wanted to get rid of it. It turned out it was a wild caught, female that had ticks all over it like it wasn't eating that's why the people got rid of it they realized that the thing you know so they gave it to us and we keep it in our lab we cleaned it up we're taking good care of it and like the one day we're out there we're and we're just working in the lab and like i'm holding the snake and i'm looking i'm showing the guys i'm like what is wrong with this snake it's just a classic ball python as it would appear in nature and they're like nothing it's amazing and i'm like that's what i mean like look at that thing it's incredible you know and and there was no work from us you know what i mean to put in to make that thing look that way it, it's natural you know unfortunately that particular snake you know had a, had a, a rough go but you get what i'm saying like it, it's just i'm not a i'm not a morph guy either i you know we've talked about this i yeah. i like naturally i do like polymorphic species like naturally polymorphic species mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but the thing about that but the sad thing that i just 
heard from you is that that's a wild caught ball python. There are thousands, hundreds of yes. thousands of ball pythons in the states. Right. Why is there a need for because a, for a wild because they want new blood and try to make some new new things. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But exactly I mean, that's just not necessary at this point. And mm -hmm. people are like throwing out normal looking ball pythons, right? Because mm -hmm. when you breed things and you, you don't get exactly what you want. Right. So. And, you go ahead. Sorry, I'm getting excited here. Yeah, yeah. You know what's <laughs> funny is my question had nothing to do with morphs. That's I, I, I was more, asking. More ball pythons or snakes. Yeah, right. Right. But actually, so if you want to get Africa for a second, uh oh, I think. Uh, I got you. We got you. Uh, am I? Am I there? You, you froze you're, you're on a, a good smile. You're good. Keep going. Yeah, you're smiling in your frozen picture. I, I can't hear anybody. Oh no! Really? Oh, all right. Well, then just just be quiet, Steve. Mute him. We can talk without him for a second. We go to a commercial break. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. See what happens? We got too excited and too passionate about this. I know. It was the ball <laughs> python talk. Somebody pulled the plug. Our funders pulled the plug. Yeah. No more ball, ball python talk. It's my, we're going to have to have a talk with me. <laughs> Steve, did you dump Kevin or did he drop off? Uh, I dumped him because but his actually, network connection is like, currently at a zero out of 10 with our production software here. You so. know what they say, zero out of 10 ain't bad. Maybe somebody See, yeah. morphs, morphs for pets to save the wild. Exactly. If only that, like were, that, true. And if that's, that were true. Well, I think it does. I think if you're producing millions, it does curb some so, of that just a little bit. And like maybe nobody just cares. a little bit. But the point that we're that Kevin was about to say was there are still droves of wild-caught <coughs> ball pythons coming into the, the pet trade. I know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're know? talking, we're talking, hear anything. we're talking about anything a couple me. different things. So if you can hear ball pythons are, like are into a total, like, uh, they're not a good microcosm for, for, well, for the turtle situation. The like if you look at the red ear slider situation, if, if albino red ear sliders were widely available. Here he is. Yeah, I missed the past like three minutes. If, 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 if red ears, albino red ear sliders were available in pet stores instead of regular red ear sliders, you could argue that they wouldn't get as much of a stranglehold in the wild when released, these visual albinos in breeding, right? And, yes. and right? And so, and then also people want something rare or different or cool. They grew up liking turtles and they say, wow, I, I, I didn't even know that existed. Mm. So are they saying, wow, I didn't even know that existed about albinos? Or are they saying, wow, I didn't even know that existed about wood turtles and what are they going to bring home and throw in an aquarium? And right. The thing is though, you know, there are people, um, I, I leave them unnamed, but you probably know at least one of the ones that I'm talking about uh, just recently was posting wanted ads like crazy. I, it was at least this summer, I think for um, virgin female red-eared sliders. You know what I mean? They had to be normal. They had to be virgins and they had to be adults and this, there was, there was two different people posting about them, but they, the one person in particular would buy as many as like they literally used the words in the ad unlimited amounts. You know what I mean? So, you know, the, the, we know what the objective is behind that, you know, but if that starts moving into other turtle species that, you know, um, this is creepy, can't sustain just, any kind of take, you know, that just sounds gross. I know. Right. It's weird. But like what we do in the shadows, like some weird vampire seance type crap. <laughs> we only want virgins. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy. Oh, Creep show. You reptile people are weird. Yeah. All of you. All yep. of you. Also, just to get back to Africa for a second, because I saw somebody ask a question. Uh, yeah. I was only in hingeback range for a very short period of time, and I did not see any. No. 
that was only when I was in Kruger National Park um, okay. was there a chance. And when you're in Kruger, you can't just go walking around. You're pretty limited to your car and in your camp. Um, I've seen videos where like the crocodile bites the lion that was biting the gazelle and you know, you don't want to get out of your car. And then there's some Pelusios like coming up and like eating ticks off of hippos. Right. You seen those videos? Which was say that again, Kev, which videos of uh, Pelusios eating like tick off of, off of hippos and things. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Or where they take down a bird that lands. Like, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Chris, you should everybody should totally go to Africa. This is the best. Just yeah. Chris, what's, what's up with that? Uh, what we could tell you know I, I've said this story too, and I should just do this now because we're talking about traveling, and you're telling Chris how we should go. I've told the story both on Totally Devoted and the podcast about how I was asked to go to China in mm. 2019. Told my wife she was not thrilled. She said, everything with you is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. This is, we used to fight yeah. a little more now. She's much more understanding now. I, I almost feel like if COVID didn't happen, I would have been able to go. We've, we've been much better, as anyone who listens to Totally Devoted. No, this was pre-COVID. It was. I know. It was pre-COVID. Like, oh, wow. Yes. Why? Yeah, I brought it back. Of course it was. Of course it was. Of course it was pre-COVID. It was Wuhan. Oh, so man. it was September 2019. And... Um, she said, no, go next year. You always act like everything's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And then COVID happened. And I don't know the next chance I'm going to get to go to Shanghai, which again is near Wuhan in Eastern China. But uh, I, my good, I arranged and helped to try to uh, set it up so that my good friend, Kevin Pollack, the mystery man who nobody knew, was the one who actually went. Can you I'm tell us about in that China. experience? I was really excited, right? I was really excited. He's like, the that band that has, he's like the band that has the gold record in Japan. But yeah. you know, like his mom shows up to, yes. you know, that, that's I call him, uh, yeah. I call him K-pop, Kevin, Kevin K-pop Pollock. That's it, awesome. it, it was, it was incredible. So I, I got to, um, I got to go to basically when it was a reptile show there, but more interesting for me was I went to a, one of the farms, one of the turtle farms and just the density that they kept some of these animals in was insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I haven't seen the big red-eared slider breeders down in, in the southern United States, so I don't know if it's similar or not, but I've seen nothing like it. I mean, there, there was a pond that was whatever, I don't know, 50 feet by 100 feet that had like 1,700 mutica in it. I mean, we're, we're talking densities where, where, the, where the water is just like rippling everywhere because there's just turtles coating the whole thing. It, it wow. was wild. And, and the water's like brown. And they say, you know, so they keep brown so they don't really see it. And there's so many turtles because there's actually less aggression because they're just on top of each other. But, I mean, they, they breed the snot out of them. I mean, the, you know, I went into their egg room and their hatchling room, and there's just thousands and thousands and thousands of baby turtles. And then there was other grow-out ponds. Same thing. There were maybe, I don't know, 50 feet by maybe 20 feet or, or yeah. 30 feet or something. These are just estimates or whatever. Um that they, they said that they could handle 10,000 hatchlings in each pond. And these are in like greenhouses that had, you know, whatever. There was probably a line of 10 greenhouses with four ponds each. And they can, each each pond could have 10,000 hatchlings. Are and they was, raising for food? I can't remember if they eat mutica, which is the yellow pond turtle, by the way. More uh, mutica. Um, I think at the time. So I thought you I, couldn't. Yeah, so don't get me wrong. There was there's actually technically only a few species that were allowed to be food, uh, and some were, still are. Wow. 
And so, but they were trying, they were trying to get more added. And I think Mutica was one of the ones that they're trying to add to the list. I mean, it seems like a pretty big leap of faith to breed 10,000 Mutica. Who's buying all these turtles, right? Yeah, exactly. So at the show, I saw stacks and stacks of them. And and I remember the Mutica specifically were like less than $2 American for each one. You know, they're like one to $2, super cheap. And and everybody had them. So like, you can't sell them because everybody's got them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Anthony, remember at TTPG that year when, when Chris Hagen did his talk? Uh, yeah, it was actually that show. So he went and did what Kevin did. He was with Kevin in 2019, but he also went in 2017 right. and 18. Okay. And that's what he was reporting on when he came back. And he was talking about the prices of rare right. flora Fashiata in China. And, and, yeah. uh, and, fla- yeah. and flavors. So, right. right. Yeah. I went to the same yeah. show that he had gone to the previous year or two or whatever. But he was yeah. there the year that I was there also. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. Uh, I'm, it was, it was really very. Uh, now very I have, I have a quick question about um, about. I want to make sure I'm remembering this correctly. Um, you, I remember your talk. You did a talk on box turtles, right? Yeah, American box turtles. Yeah. Um, now, didn't you? I I could have sworn I remember you telling me. Wasn't there like a vendor there? Um, or, or maybe more than one vendor that had a like a, a like a really outstanding looking yeah adult so Eastern box. so okay. there was a lot there was a lot of American box turtles there they they everybody right. loves American box turtles over there which is mm-hmm. why they're getting you know poached out of here and sent overseas right. um, but yeah so, so some of the prices so like if that's where you're if that's where we're going with this yeah I, so this was a couple of years ago you know things change I don't know what it is now I haven't been back uh, obviously. Um, probably even higher because of COVID, you know, who knows, but eventually they're going to start breeding them in giant quantities. Also, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're going to be less reliant on ours. Um, you know, supply and demand, how everything price eventually should go down. But I remember Florida box hurdles, uh, hatchlings were like $900, uh, you know, (laughs) us dollars, but the crate, so the crazy one that you're referencing it, some guy had a whole bunch of, um, adult Eastern box turtles and three toes and other things, but he was just showing, them to show where his offspring were coming from. So, you know, they were breeding them already, you know, some, some people. Right. But he, there was an outstanding looking Eastern, but maybe one of the prettiest Eastern boxers I've ever seen, but he said that turtle would be worth about $5,000 for an Eastern box. Wow. And you want, you know, you wonder why people are collecting Mm -hmm. them and sending them over because there's Mm -hmm. tons of money. Well, and you know, it's, uh, it's a shame. Obviously it's horrible. It's horrifying, but you know, you guys all know we all live in the northeast you know when you come across a really outstanding usually male eastern box turtle it's it, it stops you dead in your tracks oh yeah anthony yeah. you remember the one uh do you remember you know again you know pre-covid years ago when um when we had the turtle room barbecue and uh the terrapins for the first time hit that morning and we were mm-hmm. and, you know, and i think it was the day before or the day of you and casey and i were down the road and that male eastern box turtle cross, was crossing. Remember that? Yeah, thing? I have I have pictures of it. Yeah, beautiful turtle. I mean, the head on. I mean, yeah. You know, I hope to God he's still out there somewhere. You know, but I know, it, it and not was, snatched uh, up to be sent overseas. The, yeah, it's a species that I love. Like I said, you know, polymorphic, right? Like they're all, mm-hmm. everyone's different, so it's yeah. so fun to find them because they all look different. Yeah, you're right. one of the really cool things I think people understand. It's so different there when you were telling me about how it worked, like. 
So Kevin's there. They have to get a translator, obviously. Yeah. So right. they have a, he has his own translator. They pay, they paid for him to go out and give the talk, which I was like super jelly about. And then they had like in between each talk, they had like these girls in skirts come up and like, do dances in front of everybody. Yeah. So, so right? right. So so the like, the vendor that brought me on? over. He he brought me over. You know he wanted like clout, so to bring an American over to talk about turtles, right? Like that was to get people to come to his area they or whatever. Popular, popular American who's, who's never done a turtle talk before. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so um, perfect. It, it doesn't matter. It so like, you're American, right? So you obviously know about Eastern, about Buff Turtles. They and thought it, they so, were getting Chris Leone and then you showed up. <laughs> so they, um, but yeah, they, he hired these girls to just like, like dance. You know, they're like half naked girls just like dancing on like the stage. Yeah. That I went out there. Probably you know? Anthony. He probably facilitated that. <laughs> but but he wasn't the only one. The other vendors didn't have dancers, but they just yeah. had like pretty girls just standing around, just like just you just have to stand there and try to get people to come to your table. It's like a nineteen, like an early nineties Bud Light commercial. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You pop open and then like ah, and like people in bikinis <laughs> showing up and like yeah. oh man, if you drink Bud it Light. Was, this is what yeah. your friends are going to look like. Like, right. you, is it right. If you buy a right. box turtle from me, this is yeah. the next step. This Girls is, are just going to flock to you. Drink, if you drink enough Bud Light, this is what they're going to look like to you. <laughs> look at our look at our comment section. It's all it's all white men. It's the whole it's just middle aged white men. Here you go. You buy the, you buy your first turtle. This is your future. And we, we're contrary to, to popular belief we are trying to change it the first female to comment gets my book signed copy of my book mailed to them oh then you, does that does Casey count because she said uh ah. tell kevin i love his shirt <laughs> casey doesn't count oh, casey i was just gonna ask you i was just gonna ask if dana could comment if she counts no, no. dana and casey can have copies of my book anyway but I'm you know i just got this shirt this is actually supposed to be a pj shirt i don't know what the difference is but you know my mother -in -law with NASA, right? And space. My mother-in-law got it for me, so in case she's watching, I figured I'd give her a shout-out. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is your future, Anthony. Good comment. Mm. I'm sorry. Proceed with caution. That's all I'm going to say. It gets real fun. Get a little taste. Real exciting. Hatch your first turtle. <laughs> and then you look up one day, and this is what you see in the mirror. And it's not. It's not good. It's not good. Okay, ready? Another rapid fire question. Oh my gosh, I love rapid, rapid fire, fire questions. Please. None but of these Kevin. have been rapid fire, by the way. Just Kevin. Yeah, I know. We're all talk we're talking too slow and just keep talking over each other too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Most memorable 2021 field experience. What animal, Ooh. you know, maybe don't give up a location, maybe what state were you in, you know? 2021. Mm -hmm. Let me think for a minute. Um Huh. It would probably have to be, I got a, uh, I found a bog turtle at a site where none have been seen in like 20 something years. Like 20 That's a pretty years. big deal. That's a pretty so big that, deal. That was pretty good. That, that was pretty That's exciting. a bigger deal than a ball python. <laughs> I have not, I did not find any wild ball pythons in 2021. Damn. Yeah. I have to say we have some diversity showing up in the chat and I'm really excited. Yes, about we this. do. That's awesome. <laughs> I would. Yes. Facebook Messenger. I want to talk. <laughs> slide into his DMs. Uh, please slide into my DMs. Thank you. Uh, that was a good one. I like most memorable. Uh, Kevin, tell us about your snake breeding. 
Let's not go too far into that, but I do want to touch on it. All Can right, we, so, so I, you know, he's going to cap you off at some next, point. I am, but if you're looking for a place to buy your next Colubrid, this, this is so your So this is, this is, this is my, my catchphrase, as I say, I, I breed snakes to support my turtle hobby, right? Because turtles don't. Because <laughs> they're much harder breed. to breed. They don't make any money, like whatever. I, I have Spangler eye, right? They're the most frustrating animals in the world. Who are you telling <laughs> exactly anyway um so yeah i keep mostly asian rat snakes because they're cold tolerant and here in connecticut it just makes sense um uh, you know i have a couple other things some mountain kings uh some black milks i just got into but breeding wise so far it's been pretty much all uh asian rat snakes i listen to so many reptile podcasts uh, and whenever they're talking about oh you can't hear again crap out again uh, Kick him out, Steve. Kick him out. Can you hear? Yeah, no, he's right. Yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah, I listen to other reptile podcasts, a whole bunch of them, and whenever they're talking about colubrids, there's a new one, by the way, with Zach Loafman, who we're going to have on in either March or April. I think we're working on it right now. He's brilliant professor at Liberty University. He's uh, he has a new podcast on Morelia Python Radio about it's called Colubrid and Colubroid radio i think it is it's he's so brilliant i just i love hearing brilliant people talk and i just think about you the whole time i i i listen for him but then i think about <laughs> you the whole time because he's really big on you know a lot of uh the colubrids like you are yeah i mean snakes are just easier right they, they take up less space they take up less time they're more fecund you know they, they get up to breeding size a lot faster um yeah, and they do everything faster, right? Like they, they go to the bathroom a couple times a week. They're not like More these once. pythons that are like, you know, once a month or something. And yeah, yeah. Faster I'm... metabolism, faster growth, faster, well, faster was, moving. Yeah, I was I was comparing to turtles though, as far as like um you know breeding. Okay. it's just a much faster process. Oh, so of course, right? Uh, like my faster. spider tortoise has just started laying eggs and it's, you know, it's been 10 next year. I hope to hatch one in year 11. And, you know, I've been like power feeding them for 11 years. <laughs> so, sna snakes, you could be like F5 right now. <laughs> right. You know, fifth generation <laughs> captive bred from some, some animals that you've been breeding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Aaron, congratulations. You get a free book. Thank you so much for commenting. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, please uh, slide into my DMs. Let me know your address <laughs> and maybe a little bit about yourself, and I'll send you a personalized message in the book. I would love to. Nothing makes me happier than doing that. That was so good. sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody who is not Aaron. Just saying. I got quiet for a second. Got awkward. <laughs> so um i love that idea of supporting your turtle habit uh tell us about your turtle breeding see look it's it, we're almost an hour in right now we haven't really talked about the turtle breeding i'm very <laughs> proud of myself we haven't like, talked about right any any turtles that i actually keep yeah let's because that's uh, like our our crowd mostly likes to hear about that uh there's obviously we have both but um yeah so so tell us about that go go down the list well, so the only thing that I'm really breed, actually actively breeding right now, that's or successfully breeding, I should say, and partially successfully with Spengler Eye, are Spengler Eye and um, Pancake Tortoises. But next year, with a little luck, um, or a lot of luck, maybe some Geomita japonica, I have the potential for that. European Pond Turtles, potential for next year. Russian Tortoises are potential for next year. Um, 
so you know i keep a lot of things in a couple years which would be really big for me would be um big headed turtles they're uh that'd be they're awesome. a lot of fun <clears throat> yeah that'd be i mean you know whatever i'm gonna need a whole lot of luck with that obviously not not too many people have done that but um yeah he has big headed turtles that he's grown up from hatchlings which is right right just that like that's super rare that's right awesome. right so that. so i hopefully have a better chance because of that um because I've raised them from hatchling, so you know maybe they'll be easier to breed. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Uh, what else? What else do I have? Some. I just got a whole group of baby Maremmi's japonica, which are really cool. Another cold tolerant species that I've been interested in for a long time. So I'm excited to work with them. Um, got some some great Hermes tortoises from the Testudo Master right there. <laughs> uh, what else do I have? Anthony, you know what else do I have? Oh, Core Beretti. Maybe oh. my favorite. Maybe my favorite. Right, and uh, have. Ja- so Core Beretti Barrett's box turtle, also the uh, jagged shell box turtle. Oh yeah, Mahudi eye. Right, I have yeah. Mahudi eye. I have um, yeah. a couple Phrynops tuberosus. What do you yes, call you them? do. Je- Those, Je- are so Jeffrey cool. Those are so um, cool. They are. I love them. Right. Uh, I probably I probably shouldn't have them. You know, they need they need a warm all the time, but yeah, they're just the best. That's okay. Uh, That's like yeah. Chris and I with Iwanoi, like the the Sulawesi. Oh forest. my god, man! I, I I literally shutting down the big, barn before. Yeah, I, I got so mad. Big <laughs> like, smelly, aggressive, I, 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 like dirty I, turtles. I can't even include them in a video because I'm not quick enough to yeah. change their water for the nineteenth time that day. <laughs> When the camera's yeah. about to go over their enclosure, yeah. it's, yeah. it's like every time you you give them a nice big fresh thing of water, you turn around, you go inside, maybe you eat a pop tart, you come back out, and it's the pop tart you have to cut out, <laughs> and and, and <laughs> that's what it is. in more ways than one. Don't yeah. you put they're that like evil the, on me, Ricky? Like it's the, uh, the turtles telling you stop with the pop yeah. tarts, and you just they're keep like them back the and triumph. you look down, and the thing is like. You like your nice water? Guess what? You know what I mean? Right. And then here comes this like dead yeah. tree floating up, and it's not a tree. <laughs> they're like the triumph, the comic dog of Ugh. turtles. You they're know? terrible. Oh, it's a nice water bowl for me to poop on. You remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think any remembers that. I do. If you remember that, I do. Slide into Chris's DMs this time. <laughs> Let him know about Just it. Stop saying that. Uh, Kevin said it first. Stop saying <laughs> that. <laughs> Kevin, uh, Kevin, you also have uh, twist necks. Oh yeah, right, right. Another species. Oh, you do. Yeah, that's right. I forgot the ad does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Reason, reason they got a pair of twist necks. Yeah, you have a lot of turtles and tortoises. You have a marginated. Did you mention that? Yep, I have some marginated tortoises. Oh, also, you have some. Yeah, that's right. I was just right. thinking of the one. Also yeah. from Chris. Yeah, so you got some stuff. You got some stuff. Yeah, I got a few yeah. things. And then we we part. I gotta look around. around remember too. We we partner on some things too. There's some stuff. There's that Beals, you have right? I'm raising up a Beals. Yep, yep. And so, yeah, I think I think that's. I think that's are you keeping any are you keeping anything else besides uh, um, snakes and colonians? Are you doing anything? Any lizards? Any amphibians? I'm off of lizards right now. Yeah. Off of lizards. I I, I have it like I go through phases with lizards. I'll I'll. Get some lizards because I'm like, oh, these are really great. And then uh, yeah. I keep them for a couple of years. I'm like, man, I hate lizards. There's so much work. And then I get rid of them. And then a couple of years goes by. I'm like, but these lizards are so cool. And I'll get them. Yeah. So I'm in my my hate lizards phase right now. <laughs> I yeah. just came out. I came out of my hate lizards phase, and I'm I'm trying to stay yeah. in the. Uh, oh yeah, you got those ackies, right? 
How are they doing? They're, Eating they're out of house and home yet? Man. Dude, you are not kidding. And I, I'm sorry I didn't call you that day. I wanted to talk to you about the roach colony because I, I, I'm literally like, you know, we were we were all we, we were all sick with COVID this past week. And, you know, once I once we tested negative and everything, I was like, I need to go out, go back out to the pet store and just buy everything that they have. So that because now we're going to be backed up from being sick and out of work for a little while that, you know, I, ha I have to have them like loaded up so that Casey doesn't have to worry about it because it's it's such a project for her to, you know, throw both girls in the car and just to drive out 20 minutes because that's yeah. the closest. Yeah. Listen, I, I started raising my own feeders a long time ago. It was the best thing I ever did. You know, mm -hmm. I, ro roaches are the easiest out of everything. Yeah. They really are. You have a snake yeah, rack. Yeah, but they're, they're roaches, though. Yeah. Yeah, but he's got a snake rack. You know, he's got a Yeah, I mean, if you think building. about it, the other side of my building is it's nothing to look at anyway. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah but they're roaches. Uh, I don't, I, don't yeah, think every, I don't think everyone here understands that they're roaches, though. That's so uh, we interrupt this previously scheduled program so Anthony can tell you his roach story. No, that's done. <laughs> wait, wait. You can't say it's done. You have to tell us. No, I, I actually – this is – like, if we could go back, like, wait, let's is say – Shannon made that comment? Let's say 13 months from now, and it's like podcast 10 years, right? February 2023 and we're, we're going to celebrate the 10 years and we're going to talk talk about the craziest moments on the podcast like that would be number one when S Steve Rosan brought up the roach situation in front of my wife who was sitting next to me on the podcast who was helping me co-host <laughs> the roach situation that she didn't know about because I had gotten some turtles from from down south and they came with their enclosure and then a roach crawled out and i'm like yeah, holy crap and this was not I a dubia that, man this was, was not a dubia yes you were there steve like oh it was just you me right it was horrible it was like the worst possible thing and he brought it up and <laughs> and she didn't know because i was like working really hard to try to eradicate these roaches from my house and she didn't know yet oh, but it was no. like they were just in the basement where the turtles are they never came upstairs but like <laughs> This is not a dubia that like doesn't climb a plastic wall. Like these, these were legit roaches on steroids, and they could climb anything, and they probably so, flew. Like I, Rosie, he didn't know that. Uh, no, he knew. He knew. No, he did it. He, like, he didn't know any any. Uh, he, wow, he really wow. No, he knew. He knew. He knew that she didn't. He knew that she didn't know, and he brought it up anyway, just wow. to mess with me. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so I hid the roaches from my wife for like two years. Uh -huh. Like I was like, Oh, I got another fear. She's like, what are they? I'm like, just don't look. They're just, they're dubious. That's the old, that was the only word yeah. I was allowed to uh, use in my house for like two years. <laughs> Casey finally... wants to like keep them all as pets. Cause she loves bugs. She's like, they're so cool. Like, oh, shut to, up. You know? Shut up. Chris. Yes. Get out. I, I don't want to get out of here. Nobody, you, you have a zookeeper wife. It doesn't count. Nobody you have a wife that goes out and collects worms for you. <laughs> That's true. That was big. Though. Yeah, but my wife went out and did it with tongs. Like, she did it. She was dry heaving the whole time. She did it. Did it. I, to, I told, like tasted one to make sure they were good. I told Dana that, and she's like, never. She's like, don't ever compare me to your friends' wives. I will never do it. <laughs> I love it. But you know what? Shannon would have said that too. But she's, I don't know. I'm sorry. I brought you, you remember you know that uh, vendor at Hamburg. I don't know if he's still there because I can't remember the last time I was at it. Um, but he sells like 2016. Was that it? Mm-hmm. Oh wow. He um I think so. 
he, there. It might might be one of the book guys. He has uh, he would sell like the shadow boxes with the preserved insects or, or like oh, yeah, yeah. you'd have like a snake skeleton yeah. in there or li- flying lizard, you know, like, like all kinds of stuff like that. Well, you know, K- Casey wanted to get something from him. So, so we ended up getting one of those like giant rhinoceros beetles mm. in uh, like one of the huge ones, not our little rhino beetles. You know what I mean? Is that what like, they're called? Those are called like Atlas bug beetles or something. I, I, I honestly, know. I don't know. I don't know my bugs. So I apologize if anybody is insulted by my lack of knowledge with bugs, but not um, an you know, I got, got this beautiful little shadow box with it in there and, and she, she liked to display it out. In, in our old house, you know what I mean? And like, and I, I used to actually be like, you know, everybody's coming over. Maybe we should, you know, take that down. And she'd be like, no, it's staying up, you know? Conversation piece. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you know. Anyway. That's all. Yeah. So you have dubias and you recommend them to everyone. Everyone. My turtles don't even like them. My turtles are like, my, oh, my turtles. You're the, you're the only one. My turtles love them. Yeah. And, and, and when, when I, turtles, I didn't stick with when, it. I stick when your with turtles came to my house, I got them on dubias immediately. I, I took a video just the other day of Tough a love. Flavo about this big. I mean, it's only two inches. And it savagely, savage, savagely murders a, like a medium-sized dubia. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was too big. The, the Ackies were like a little bit afraid of it, this one. It was just too big. So I took it out and I threw it in this tub. And there's, there's a Chinese box turtle and a Florida box turtle in there. And the, 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 the Flavo just literally like it wanted They're monsters. Thing dead so we right. could eat it and then like the florida was like hey that's a pretty good idea so like i threw another one in there and then that one did the same thing it it annihilated it so they i, do like, I like them because they're big and so i can cool. give one to a spengler eye and that's like a whole meal like yeah. i don't have yeah. to give them you know more things like i just give yeah. them one big roach and it takes them 20 minutes to eat it right right but yeah and that's good it. enrichment too to have to kill it and hunt it yeah, it yeah, definitely. I mean, that is the bad thing about them is that they don't really move. So when I do dubias, I tong feed everything. So it does take mm-hmm. a little bit longer because of that, because you can put them in a bowl and they don't necessarily move. I mean, a lot of turtles will eat them, but they're great mm-hmm. for water turtles. You just throw them in the water and they're like, you know, scrambling around on the surface and the turtles just come up and snag them. Right. The big heads. Yeah, they're, just, they're definitely cool. I, I you know, it's um, I'm going to need to do something because, you know, going back to the original question, I, I'm, I'm loving the Ackies. They're amazing. Their intelligence is it's it's like it's honestly like watching little puppies like with the way that they cock their heads and everything you know yeah um, but you're like birds they're bird like yeah yes they are very bird like and the the heat thing's not a challenge like i am keeping them extremely hot and it's it's consistent and they're doing well with that but yeah the feeding thing is just like wow like it's nice to feed a turtle and be like cool i'll, I'll deal with you in a couple of days you know what i mean for the most part but with them it's like wow you guys ate yesterday and you have to eat today you know <laughs> so Oh, you're back. I, keep, I guess my connection's terrible. I don't yeah, know. it's you look horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. This man, gonna, I, I why like don't you tell me how it really yeah. is? We're just gonna throw this whole thing out. What is it it's like? An office space is like, I don't know, man. I just get that feeling like she's cheating on me. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, oh, I, yeah, I have a, I have a producing roach colony for you. Whatever. You okay. Want. Thank there you. you go. And that goes out to everyone watching too. Just <laughs> slide Which in the DMs. For every- hey, somebody get some people get signed books on this podcast, and other people get roaches. That's you right. You get roaches. You get roaches. You get. That is roaches. right. <laughs> you get a car. That is right. It only takes two. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, Aaron. Don't forget. Sending you a book. 
So we should wrap up. Um, we should work towards wrapping up. It's not happening soon. So don't just don't be like the people that want to beat the traffic and, and sign off now. We're not done yet. But we're going to move towards it. So, so what's Kevin, what's your goal uh, for field work? Like, what would you like to? Because I think I'll, I'll share you. You do a lot of kind of odd and end type jobs, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, what are you laughing at? Because he's going. <laughs> you man. <laughs> Me? Didn't hear what you yeah. said. Yeah. You do a lot of kind of odds and ends type jobs with, with your field work stuff. I'd like to know what, yeah. what are your goals for that? Like, like it's so tough. I think for people who, who work in that realm, work in the zoology realm, like to get to a point where like, they're not moving around the country or not kind of driving all over the place for opportunities. Is that something that you, you would love to have with? So, with so I got or? out of it for a while for that reason is because I didn't really have any work and, you know, right. You, sometimes you have to take, there's a lot of seasonal jobs um, or you go and work for a consultant, you know, you get hired on as a consultant, but, but I kind of pigeonholed myself into just herp work and here in the Northeast automatically it shuts down for, you know, six months out of the year, four months, whatever it is. So, um, so like I said, you know, I had two kids and I kind of got out of that because I couldn't just, you know, I needed more steady income. Um, but recently I've gotten back in sort of because of COVID. I got back into it uh, more and I've been able to, you know, eke out, eke out an existence. But I'm kind of doing it um, kind of always as the low man. It's never my project or anything. And, and that's because I get to do all the fun stuff, right? Like the higher up you go, the more you're in the office doing the paperwork and writing the grants and whatever else. But it's kind of fun just to be the field guy. You know, like that's that's what I like doing. And so, you know, it may not pay as well and it may not be a steady work, but it's fun. So I, I actually hoping to build my snake breeding a little bit more um, so I don't have to rely on either one. You know, so my, my ultimate goal is to kind of supplement my income with, you know, some breeding and field work in the active season. And, you know, it helps that my wife has a good job. So <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm kind of able to able to do that a little bit more you know it's a little it's a little easier um and you know and then i can be home for my worms. kids too that's, <laughs> right. right that's why she won't go pick up worms because that's right yeah because <laughs> she's got it like that it's okay. <laughs> but no i mean it, it's good because it, you know it it allows me to make more of my own schedule and then i can be home for my kids pick them up from school take them to dance class when i need to so it it's been it's been fun to get involved with all different projects you know and I've been fortunate that I've been able to do that and not worry about the times that, you know, I maybe don't have work for a little while. Sure. So, um, so yeah. How about a goal with the captive side of the turtle stuff? What, what are your goals with captive keeping? What's, what's a goal that sticks out for you this year or, or future that sort of thing? Um, I, so I just want to, every year I want to, you know, add another species kind of, you know, like, so I shouldn't say that from what I have every year, I want just a little bit more things to hatch, you know, cause then I think I'm, Same. I'm progressing, you know, it's not, not that I'm adding new species every year, but I'm just breeding a new species that I haven't done before that I already have. Like I, I have a lot of animals that are, I'm raising up that are, you know, coming in, coming into their own and not even necessarily a new species, but just 
more of one. You know, maybe I've bred them once, um, and then next year I'll have another female going or whatever. So, so something that'll really excite me are if you know when the Beretti get old enough, if I get hatchings from them, that would be that would make me really happy, just because I love them and I've been raising them up since hatchlings. So it'll be a you know a many year project that'll hopefully come to fruition. Same with the big heads. Many, yeah, a, many, many, many years. <laughs> you know, just a little feather in the cap for some of these harder, to, harder <laughs> to breed species. I think Chris is getting tired like, of the Beretti. Yes, <laughs> of your. Oh, you are send send them to me. I can't. I don't. I don't fully own them. So <laughs> neither do I. But they I fully own mine either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why they're here. <laughs> Where they come Who from? Fully owns a Beretti. That's that's the question. Yeah, you're right. None yeah. of us. <laughs> Nobody really does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Three out of four of us like, keep them, and none of us fully own this them. It's gonna be the year. This is gonna be the year. It's like, oh my god, some of these things are like ancient now. You know. My yeah, but that, that's that's what makes them that much more exciting, right? So when you do have some success, it's like yeah. success. It's not yeah. like oh, I just bred whatever some easy species. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just talk to Chris Hagen and Ben Forrest. Those are the ones kicking butt with the with the flower backs. I, I'll and obviously Steve's been doing it for a really long time. But um, did did Tia, uh, did did uh, did Chris finally turn it up with Beretti though? Because remember that was the one they were. No, Beretti were the ones that were struggling. I thought I felt like because they were too cold, right? He said they didn't know. He said that I remember. I specifically remember because then I talked to him afterwards about it, and his he said to me, he "Goes, dude, I wish I could say, hmm. dude, don't do that," you know. But he's like, I can't because they I like think said they tried cold, then they tried warm, yeah. then they tried in the middle. And they just, they just seem to be the one that they get some out of, whereas the Galbs and the Pictorata are just like, you know, they're on the they're on that cycle now and they don't seem to drop off it. It's so interesting because to me, the Beretti were the easier ones out of the three to breed. That's what I kind of thought. But I, I are like they I the northern Berettis or the northern th- uh, most the of the three? Galbs. Gals they're the ones in the middle. Water. Okay, yeah, that's right. I knew I knew Pictorata was southern. I can never keep the other two straight. So we're talking about flowerback box turtles, just so everybody knows. There's three species that used to be subspecies: the Galbinifrons, Pictorata, and Beretti. I just I like to make sure people know what we're talking about. In case yeah, that's a good it's idea. Not something that they've been into, they've been into yet. But they're really pretty Southeast Asian turtles. You should look them up. So, I mean, like they're, they're I'm like to keep mine a little bit warmer now this this winter. What's that, Chris? I'm trying to keep mine a little bit warmer now this winter because every winter now they've they've gotten down chilly. You know what I mean? Like they'll mm. they'll stay, uh, you know, upper 40s, low 50s for several months, um, and just not move a muscle. And then just like everything else, you know, when they when they wake up in the spring, they're they're back to pounding food and, and breeding like crazy, but just nothing happens. And the other are thing they together in the fall? Yeah. Yeah, I feel managed... like the fall breeding is really important with them. I know that I know yeah. that Chris has said that, and they come out in the spring. Like if they're gravid, they're going to come. Out I never separate the them. They're, it's not like I have a lot of them. You know, they're always together. Um, and but maybe uh, that's something you can try: is keeping them separate. I guess, but the thing is, they there's no problem with breeding. I mean, you remember that video that we we used on the the turtle? The infamous. Was, I think about it all yeah, the time. It's like that in my brain, turtle. Like, that's that roaches. same male, dude. He locks up all the time like there's no doubt about what's actually transpiring with, and that is constant there's no doubt yeah it's so gross. it's i don't know it is gross so this winter they're they're obviously i don't leave them out here because it gets too cold but this winter they're they don't have any heat on them but they're in a warm room so they're staying inactive pretty much they'll come out they'll go in the water dish 
and then they'll go back in and then it what temperature i'm not even monitoring it i'm not even because i'm done i'm done trying to do that <laughs> so they're ju i'm just making sure that they stay heavy and they come out they munch a little bit here and there but for the for the vast majority of it they actually burrow down underneath all the leaf and pine litter and they just stay put there um and the building fluctuates a little bit here and there anyway and uh and I'm, i'll see maybe i don't know if that'll help this year i don't know but I, I had i wanted to change something so that's the only thing i'm changing this year they they stay in the same tub in the winter in the barn and they go into the exact same enclosure outdoors in the summer so that was the other thing i was told is to not change hmm. their environment you know what i mean like whatever they're in in the winter leave them in that whatever they're in for the summer leave them in that so i haven't changed that the only thing different this time is they're not like they used to be kept like way down on the floor where they would have no choice but to get pretty cold now they're up and they're just kind of staring at whatever that air temperature is, which, you know, is warm. So interesting. Yeah. One of those things that eventually sometimes works for people and right. It's see. weird, right? Like so, sometimes you can, you can mimic what other people are doing. Right. Mm -hmm. But your group just doesn't, doesn't work and, and vice versa. Yeah. Right. It's exactly, well, it's like the bells hingebacks. Everybody keeps asking me what I can, you know, share people with them. And I don't there to me, there's just really nothing that I'm doing. That's, it might just be those particular animals that are just doing well for whatever reason. It's right. not even something that it's not even something I could say right. that I should take the credit for. You know, it's people it's are really like, good what, analogy. Like, what, what's your secret? And I'm like, or, or even or even variety <laughs> with um, with TSA, right? They're killing it with gabs and picturata. They're variety. Yeah. You're not doing it for whatever reason, but other people do have success with them. Right. That's the fun part. Like I mentioned Zach Lofman earlier, I've been listening to his podcast. Like that's what he describes as the fun part, right? Like from a scientific perspective, like we're, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to touch on as many variables as we can to replicate, mm -hmm. not just right. what the other breeder has done, but, you know, looking up what the actual wild situation is, you know, we're looking at annual rainfall, temperature, humidity in, in where they live. Like some of us are actually going out into their natural uh, habitat and, and, you know, taking measurements under the leaves, not just of the environment, but like where right. that animal sure. actually lives, you know, mm -hmm. and taking all of that, then taking into account, okay, what does Steve do? What does Ben do? What does Chris do? Taking all of that together and trying to figure out what works best, mm -hmm. you know, with what we have to offer as well, because whatever you do in South Jersey is going to be different than what we do in Connecticut, course, which is going to yeah. be different than what people do in Florida. Like, <clears throat> that's a that's a really big one too so sometimes all of sometimes it's even the weirdest game. thing is you know i don't know if you guys have experienced this but i, I know other people have where for whatever reason you, you you don't like the way something is going with with one or two groups of animals or maybe if it's just an individual type of animal that you have or whatever and you just switch it you know what i mean mm -hmm. you can't even say that there's anything that different about the enclosures that you're switching into but you know, there's been times where something up in the front of my property, I didn't like the way it was doing. So I was like, screw it. Let me try it back here. So I moved it to the back of the property. And then for whatever reason, that animal or animals perked up and, you know, got on the straight and narrow and mm. started doing well. You know, some, sometimes I wonder if there's something because they're ground level animals, they're subjected to different microclimates that we can't even fathom. You know, uh, maybe there is something that, especially in an outdoor setting where you have absolutely no idea what's going on, but the animal does. And sometimes mm -hmm. all you have to do is move it and you can't even really put a fine point on what it is. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's almost like you don't even, the sad part about it is you can't explain why things worked. But for some reason, when you moved that animal or animals, all of a sudden something about it perked them up and now they're doing sure. fine. 
and yeah, we, we try as best as we can to to view the world as they do, but we're not them, right? So we don't yeah. always know. You know, we do the best we can. And I will say, being a field guy, seeing animals in the wild does change the way I keep them. You know, like yes. seeing where they are found. And I'll never forget the first time um, I went to Costa Rica. I was in high school and I was working at a pet shop at a time and keeping animals or whatever. And I went to Costa Rica. It was my first time in, you know, in a proper rainforest. And it just blew my mind. You know, like yeah. I, this was, you know, back in the in the 90s. And I was like, you know, red tail boa, right? Needs a basking spot. Not really. That's not, yeah. you know, they live under the canopy. They're not, they're not going and sitting in the sun. Right. And, and I mm-hmm. did the biggest thing though, I didn't understand was ambient humidity. That, that was mm-hmm. like a huge eye opener, just g- going and being in habitat and understanding more about, you know, where these animals are, are coming from. Well, humidity is a big thing too, that I think reptile ground keepers, level, like you said, yeah, re- go, go lay on your lawn in the summer. It's, it's, right. You know, a lot of reptile keepers don't grasp that. And it's over over so many years of herpetoculture, you know, there's still so much outdated information out there that might that's inaccurate that we don't really understand. And again, like you just said, goes back to that ground level thing, like almost any type of turtle or tortoise at the very least is going to respond to some kind of humidity. Even these species that we think are, are, are desert dwellers, Egyptian tortoises. Okay. People uh, throw it on crust oyster shell, keep it dry, boiling hot. Then, then when that animal starts growing, it turns into the Statue of Liberty, okay? Because of how badly, morbidly pyramided it becomes. What people don't understand is these are coastal animals, all right? And even when they're a little bit further inland, they're seeking out those microclimates and they're sitting in them. That's where they want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. No, that's what they need to survive. So people think... Oh, desert. Oh, leopard gecko. It doesn't need any. It doesn't need any humidity. Oh, Texas banded gecko. It doesn't need any humidity. What are you talking about? Of course it does. You know. Yeah, they, 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 they right. These arid animals are living in burrows, or it's a seasonal thing. You know, yes. a lot of these more arid what species, they don't eat. They don't do anything until it rains, and mm-hmm. then they're out in, in uh, you know, when it's raining and there's food available. And, that's and when I would say that's, that's probably the one thing that I've discovered that. I, again, I, I, I can't say it for sure, but I think is the direction it's going as to why these Bell's hingebacks are starting to do well because, or have always done well, is because I think I kind of accidentally was giving them a dry and a wet season. When they were inside, there was really no way for me to do anything other than keeping them wet. And we're not talking about the hingebacks that have been in the hobby for 30, 40, 50 years. These are the ones that just came in for the first time ever in 2020. And, you know, that's, I think, what's happening because once they were put outside and they got that actual rain and the high humidity, it was like they came to life. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, I know, I know we could, like we said, we could talk about this for 27 hours straight. <laughs> yeah. And we should. Yeah. I know. One last sure. thought. One last thought that I want to ask for to you guys who are so knowledgeable, particularly about box turtles, too. One thing that I hear a lot from rehabbers is that they will purposely keep box turtles like eastern box turtles warm all year round because they don't need the stress of a cool down or a hibernation. It's not stressful. Yeah, that's okay. that's out of left field. That 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 makes you if you want to de-stress them, let them go to sleep. You yeah, know? okay. Let them go to I sleep. Mean, even I would say yeah, I would say it's different if there's like an active infection that you're treating. Yeah, that's a different you know story. because yeah. because often the last animals you see um, in the season will be sick because they're mm-hmm. out even when it's cold, but they're trying to warm up in the sun. And so if, there, if there's some the sort of infection, yeah. yeah. So if it's like that, but yeah, I mean it's 
you shouldn't say it's stressful for them. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I remember a pair of, I think it was ornate box turtles that Joshua Sukunik had. Uh-huh. And, you know, I helped care for his animals for a while. And they just weren't doing doing well at all. So we, like, took away their light. We took them, we basically buried them in, in dirt and just let them sit for, like, two months without touching them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, then, then we like gave them light and stuff and then they started eating finally. Like, mm-hmm. there you go. Because you guys, you guys, you triggered, you triggered the behavior yep. to come out in them. And, you know, instead of just handing them that, you know, silver platter warm all the time, it's sunny, it's warm, it's sunny, it's warm. Like, like no box turtle, even a desert box turtle wants it sunny and, and to just be out in the open and warm all the time. You know what I mean? So in, in, in all honesty, when it gets that warm, what do they do? They have to look for humidity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. even desert box turtles, Sandy Barnett taught us that. She said these things are underground sometimes as deep as three feet and they will stay there for months, uh, for months and months and months until the rain. And then it rains back. and then they come out. That's it. You know, so and I our, just, our box I, turtles aren't that different. I agree 100%. There is no but involved in that. I 100% agree. And I know that um, when people ask me, I generally just say it's an important part of their natural biology. So we should try to mimic that as much as we can. It's not something that they have to do in the wild. So so we don't need to do that in captivity. Like, no, it is an important part of, of their healthy life. So we should try to strive for that in any chance we get. And then there's this idea of this this hormone cascade where, where the actual the actual cooling down of these animals triggers all of the hormones that they need to be successful and to be healthy, like breeding, like feeding response, like everything, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to do those things unless they're getting that seasonality that we need. And when you have animals that aren't producing, that could be something that we need to look to. You Mm -hmm. know, I tell people all the time with, there's so many people that want to take, to start keeping some Asian species, uh, like Chinese box turtles or some of the other core that sort of stuff or, mm-hmm. or, or geoimida, the leaf turtles, and they get really excited about keeping them, but they, they don't realize like your, your room needs to cool over the winter. Or it's not going to work with the vast majority of those species. So I mean, it's even snakes, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Big time. And the colubrids are one that I hear. Yeah, the mountain kings cool. specifically, they got to get cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise you're going to get in, infertile legs. Yeah, same thing with the snakes from this area, the pine snakes, the king snake, you know, they, they gotta, they gotta shut down and, and the, the hormonal changes, the triggers, it, it's, it's just the time to reset. It's what I, I wish we could all do it and just be like, oh, it's winter. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys in April. You know what I, mean? I do it. <laughs> you know? I do it because my animals are, are, a lot of them are sleeping right now. And I, I've, I've written three magazine articles already for this year and I, yeah. I'm, I had trouble writing all 2021 and now that the animals went to sleep this year i'm just feeling great i'm writing more i wrote something that we could leave with this too i wrote um a, a letter uh to the u.s fish and wildlife in opposition of the new proposal <laughs> to list the egyptian tortoise on mm-hmm. the esa the endangered species act i'm not we're not openly fighting the petition to list Macro Kelly's the alligator snapping turtle. Uh, we we are fighting the Egyptian tortoise. It doesn't make sense. They're they're already extinct in the wild. 
or, or close to it. They're critically endangered. They're they're listed by CITES, so we don't need that um, legislation. Mm -hmm. But that was something else that I wrote that I'm excited about. So we'll be putting in an official uh, kind of notice of, of opposition on Turtle Room letter, letterhead with cool. some some correspondence with the with the TTPG as well to try to to do that. So I wrote that as well. So when the animals go to sleep, that's it's a really nice time to to do. Yeah, stuff. I don't build that. build cake. <laughs> Yeah, right. Kevin builds cages that he doesn't use. Kevin has like 630 cages and uses like 25. <laughs> He's a cage collector. I collect cages. Yeah. That's what I should have done, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Carly would like some book recommendations, uh, kid friendly books. Hmm. Oh, I've got to think a good about one. that. Do you have a good kid friendly book? We should end yeah, with that. Yeah. There's, um, I read this. My oldest daughter loves this book and, um, you know, she's going to be five years old and, and for the last five years, she still will say, daddy, can you read it? Um, it's, uh, it's called either a Blanding's turtle journey or Blanding's turtle story. And it's just this quick, super cute, um, illustrated book, uh, a story of a female Blanding's turtle that goes to look, looks for a spot to lay her eggs and a family, um, finds the turtle on the road, classic story. You know, they think it's best to take the turtle. So they take it. Uh, Blanding's turtle story. Steve just put it right up there. That's great. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's just a really cute book. And it teaches, you know, teaches kids like, you know, if you find a turtle, don't take it home. You know, it belongs there. Um, but that it's a common mistake that people make. And it goes through the, the thing of the female laying the eggs, then the eggs hatching. And it's really cute. You know, it's really cool. And it's, guys like us that love Blanding's turtles, it's super like specific, you know? So it's really <laughs> awesome. And then I'll give you one more, two more. I'm two more and then I'll shut up, Carly. Oh, geez, um, take your time. Box, Box Turtle at Long Pond is a book that I grew up on. Um, super cute, super awesome, amazing illustrations in it. And then the other one is Scoots the Bog Turtle, but Scoots is S-C-O-O-T-S. Uh, and those are three really awesome <laughs> kids books. I love to. Awesome. Chris loves kids' books. He's creepy. Uh, <laughs> I do. Michael Sathuvaswamy, our good friend, our, our good friend Michael Sathuvaswamy, uh, wrote Chili the Pitortis, which was written by our friend Jamie Sheffield. Um, that, I can say that's a good one because I haven't read it yet, but I'm really looking forward to reading it. And then if you're looking for books on three toed box turtles, check out the book by Kenneth Dodd and then also the book. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Great books on that yes. include three-toed box turtles. They're, they're like the box turtle Bibles. You need both of those books if you're box, mm -hmm. uh, North American box turtle nerds. Um, yeah. And then uh, we'll talk. I don't want to keep this one too long, but, but we'll talk. I love it. Um, Kevin isn't here to give a final thought. So I just want to say thank you. I really, really enjoyed having Kevin on. And uh, I appreciate all you guys awesome. for tuning in. Oh, there, he forward. there he is. There he is. Kevin, give us a final thought. Uh get out in the field and enjoy the native wildlife that's that's uh gives you a newfound respect for things that you keep because mm -hmm. you see it in the wild and you, you know you strive to keep it better in captivity i love it yeah 100 how's that thank you that's so great. much i really Beautiful. i enjoyed <laughs> thanks having for having you me so much you're such yeah, a great time. you were hesitant <clears throat> for a long time and then you <laughs> very long here and just kick butt well, let's get do a better, part two, and we'll do another two-hour yeah. talk about this kind of stuff. You know? get, get some get some better internet, and we'll do this. This will be our new January episode. We'll have Kevin on every time. There you go. <laughs> oh, good. I'll be here for the 10-year one, then. 
the the one month shy of ten years. Take oh, it easy. Man. I'll take yeah. it. I'll take a month. That's going to be a big. We're going to get someone big on for that one. Cool. That's all I'm saying. Not you. Is You're there anybody that. bigger than you, Anthony? Ah. Physically, no. <laughs> <laughs> but men- mentally, most most are. Yeah. Thank you guys. Appreciate you all. See you next time for our nine year celebration. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Good night, everybody. Deuces.